Welcome to the Untangling Web3 podcast, your go-to hub to learn insights and the latest developments in the wild and wonderful world of Web3. I'm Alec Burns. And I'm Jack Davis. Tune in each week as we navigate and explore the rapidly emerging landscape of the Web3 technologies, projects, and ideas that are shaping the future of the internet. We'll be talking to the best and brightest in the industry to keep uncovering insights. So that hopefully we can all learn together on our journey to untangle Web3. Welcome to another episode of the Untangling Web3 podcast. Today we're joined by Robert Rice, a pioneer in AR, VR, and XR. Robert spent over 25 years innovating in immersive media, shaping interactive technologies, and driving the evolution of the digital landscape. Not only did he coin the term XR, but he's also played an instrumental role in developing spatial intelligence. Thank you for joining us, Robert. Cool. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you, Robert. This is a uh... This is going to be a great episode, I think, to follow up on our recent Metaverse episode because we've actually got an expert in the room now who understands what they're doing instead of someone like me and Alec who are just uh, who are just playing around with these things. You're actually building something uh, in that space. Um, so yeah, I think it would be it'd be great if you could maybe just. I know you said in, in the pre-room the, the short version of your background is like a maybe an hour long, but maybe what what's the what's the shortest version you can give of your background because I know it's very extensive. Um, yeah, so so I've, I've got some gray hair, which means uh, I've been around for a while. Um, I'm an army brat. Uh, I grew up over uh, you know half in Europe and half uh, here in the U.S., which is you know, kind of interesting. Gives me a different perspective on, on a lot of things. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so you know, went to college. I was going to be a, I was I was studying um, a dual major in music and theology. I was going to be a minister, uh, but yeah, things d- didn't quite work out that way. Um, I, uh, uh, so I dropped out of college, started doing some work for the Army and Air Force Exchange Services detective for a few years, which was probably the funnest wow. job I've ever had outside of Metaverse stuff. Um, and then one day I decided I wasn't making enough money, so I started a comic book store and selling my, my friend's collection because he had a massive collection. And that was great until they killed off Superman. And I was like, okay, well, that, that sucks. Now what am I going to do? And um, so one day we're, we're trying to figure out you know, what we're going to do, try to, how to keep the store open. And this random guy walks in. He's like, "Hey, I have a cool virtual reality machine. Can I bring it in your store and you know test it out?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's a comic book store. You don't have to ask that question. Just <laughs> roll that right out in here, right? Let, let's go." Um, and then you know, a, f- a few months later, he he offered me a job. He's like, "Hey, you know, uh, you know how to use a computer, right?" And and you know, keep in mind for context, this is the super early '90s. Most people didn't even know what email was, right? And I'm I'm in the stockroom picking up girls on you know CompuServe and Genie and you know whatever. <laughs> Uh, I knew how to use a mouse, and that was basically the qualification to get started. Um, so, yeah, I got a, a pre-release version of 3D Studio and a, and a, and a copy of Deluxe Paint, which is kind of like, uh, you know, just MS Paint on steroids before Photoshop, even right. Uh, no manuals, and he was like, "Go figure this out. You're 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 our first 3D artist." Uh, and I was like, "Okay, cool." And there's no such thing as YouTube, so how do how do I do this? I can't just go to the library, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we ultimately ended up building a whole cool VR arcade uh, sort of thing. And um, I ultimately, you know, hired and trained our art staff. And, and then one day uh, he comes to me and says, hey, Robert, you, you know how to play, play an instrument, right? I'm like, well, yeah, dude, I just went to college, you know, jazz band, I'm a saxophonist. You're like, 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 like what do you need? He's like, cool, you're, you're now our new digital audio effects engineer. So go figure out how to do sound effects. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. I can play saxophone. That's, that's a far cry from, um, uh, you know, all the other stuff. But I figured it out. And, and ultimately, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot, basically. Um, and then I guess around 1995, so I'm still early, early out of my career. Um, I, I left there and moved uh, here to Raleigh, North Carolina to start my own first software company. And we were going to build the world's first real-time 3D, massively multi-user online role-playing game. 
And this is back when, when, when 3D was really 2D sprites and a sort of a pseudo 3D environment, right? And uh, people, it's like 486s were the thing and Pentiums were starting to come out and people were like, you can't do real-time 3D on a PC. People will never pay money to play games on the internet. You're a lunatic. Uh, and, and it can't be done. Okay, well, well, I thought it could be done. You know, silly me. Um, so I did that for a few years, made a lot of waves in the industry, caught a lot of attention. And, you know, companies like Microsoft and Interplay and when I would fly out here to Raleigh and like, yeah, we don't believe you're doing... 3d on a pc and you know i'm going to trade shows with a vhs tape for a demo because our our workstations are these massive you know walls of just you know whatever gateway computers like you can't put that on a plane and just you know you'll lo- lug it around um so so that was kind of how i went from vr into the the mmo industry and um yeah i was doing that for a while and uh trying to really push and innovate you know what you could do there you know i wrote my first book and um you know things were too early basically so a few more years go by and i end up advising and consulting other mmo companies and uh, doing a lot of that sort of stuff and then i guess around 2008 or so uh, i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do next i was looking at you know technology and i thought oh my god you know i I just came across this amazing demo uh from uh, ar toolkit which is i guess based in new zealand maybe and it was basically marker-based uh, augmented reality. It was super slow, super, you know, super basic, but it was really like eye-popping for me. And I thought, oh my God, if you could just get away from the markers, that would be the thing. You could have 3D stuff everywhere. Like, wow, this is like really cool. So uh, I, I jumped in, you know, head first to there. And uh, then, I, then, I, then I decided to, I started the AR consortium, which is basically me calling up the CEOs of every other augmented reality company on the planet. And there was like maybe five or six at the time, right? So it wasn't it wasn't a huge task. And I was like, hey guys, we gotta start a consortium and like let's all work together and you know, let's meet up at all the trade shows for beers. And they all said yes. So I suddenly I'm like, okay, well, I'm the chairman of like, you know, the 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 thing, and it's just me and these other guys that are really trying to make AR like an industry. And at, at this time, you know, augmented reality was mostly just academic research sort of stuff. There really wasn't a whole lot else going on. But um yeah, so that's what I got in there early. And it didn't take me too long after got, kind of going through that process, maybe a few more years, when I realized that, you know, a lot of the technology is the same. You know, 3D is just, it's 3D is 3D. Um, but in terms of trying to think ahead to the future about the metaverse, and we weren't really calling it metaverse at the time. There really wasn't, you know, kind of a term for it. Um, I thought that you kind of needed to kind of connect them all together. And this ultimately leads... I guess, into the next thing, which is, you know, what is the difference between, you know, AR and VR and MR and all the other sort of acronyms? And if you go and look on like maybe Wikipedia or something, uh, it's generally represented as a horizontal spectrum where you've got augmented reality on one side and then you've got virtual reality on the other side. And then in the middle are everybody else's little acronyms for, you know, kind of moving the slider around. And I thought, okay, that that's cool. But to really kind of get all the value out of, you know, these technologies in the metaverse and everything else, it should be more like a vertical stack where you have the real world here at the bottom. And then you've got all your IOT and data and sensors, whatever the next level up. And then you've got augmented reality kind of giving all those cool visualizations. Um, and then you've got maybe mixed reality, which is the same thing as augmented reality, except more 3d basically, right? There's not much of a difference. <laughs> so you can and then above that. that. Yeah. So when you say augmented reality, it's generally you're augmenting your reality with something. And kind of the the most simplest form of that is, you know, putting a text over something else. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if uh, we should all have our names floating over our heads. Right. That's easy. Augmented reality. Nice and super. Um, And then mixed reality is really more where you've got 3D objects now that have depth and they're, they're part of the spatial environment that you're in. So it's not just a 3D tag that floats over my head because it's recognizing my face it may be the, the 3d flower pot that's sitting on my my kitchen table and i can walk around it and see it from different angles right got you so when most people yeah. think of this are they thinking like pokemon go like that might be one of yeah, the, the exactly. most popular examples of this exactly pokemon go is technically mixed reality although you know in the common vernacular as they say uh it, everybody just says augmented reality and just leaves it at that mm-hmm. so uh ar and mr are effectively the same thing for most people um, and then you've got VR, 
which, you know, again, keep, keeping with my vertical stack, we now go to digital twins, which are basically 3D copies of the real world, right? I got a 3D copy of my room or my office or my school. And then above that, we've got created or fictional environments. World of Warcraft would be one, right? It's a the full 3D sort of space. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's virtual. It's a virtual reality. Um, but of course, most people associate VR with the whole head-mounted displays and, you know, all the other sort of fun gear, which is great, except I don't think that you really need that. Um, it adds another level of immersion because you feel like you're there, you can look over your shoulder and everything else. Um, but, you know, Call of Duty or World of Warcraft or, you know, Second Life or whatever, you can have the same experience with or without the head-mounted display, right? Interesting that you're kind of, you're, you're referencing a lot of games and game. I mean, I'm a gamer. I can tell from your origin story that you're a big gamer. And do you think that the, it's it's gaming that's pioneering this space? Because like you know, I see a lot of gamers that are pushing the space, and all the people that I know who are familiar with AR, VR, MR, they know about it because of the gaming space. Do you think that like it's now extending to other spaces as well, or why are gamers so like kind of uh, intro- well, I guess key to this? Yeah, I, I would say yes and no. Uh, on, on one hand, yes, absolutely, right? I mean, j- historically speaking, games have, have have really pushed the whole you know industry. The reason we have you know huge amounts of RAM and you know super fast CPUs and, we, and even hardware acceleration, GPUs. That's all because of games, right? You, you want to play a new game, you got to upgrade your computer. If if the whole industry was was still as you know it was envisioned early on, where we all have you know. Uh, cookbook recipes easily accessible and you know weather reports on our little our home personal computers uh, you, you, you really don't need you know a 12 core you know the i8 or i9 or you know, whatever you don't need all that you certainly don't need 32 or 64 gigabytes of ram and and you know a, a gpu that that needs like an ice box you know, to kind of keep it cool and you know whatever i mean it's 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 like do, do you really need that 4090 to you know run excel it's like the answer is no not at all um so so from 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 a 3d perspective yeah the game industry 100 percent pushing it forward um but gamers and game designers still think about game stuff right so hmm. i think this is why uh, and it, it's less, let me rephrase that. It's less about pushing 3D boundaries in terms of maybe, you know, frames per second or whatever that might be really important for for first-person shooter or an FPS. Um, I think the, the MMO side of the fence is probably the more relevant here because you're dealing with lots and lots and lots of people in, in effectively shared environments, right? So, yeah, you've got a lot of, you know, game mechanics and everything else, but if you strip all that out, I think the important pieces are really on the social side. And this is why so many VR uh, sort of applications now are really centered around social, social VR, or around content creation, right? I'm going to get a piece of you know, land or property, and I'm going to build the cool experience here for my friends to come check out. And that's a building, or it's a casino, or it's a hotel, or it's a nightclub. It's all very, very social-oriented sort of things. It's similar um, to the kind of um, the model of uh, Habbo Hotel or uh, um, Minecraft type thing, right? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So still, still social, still explore exploration, you know, so on and so forth. Actually, if uh, going to go a little old school on you guys, uh, Richard Bartle's uh, Gamer Archetypes, right? You should totally Google that if you guys aren't familiar with it. Uh, so this super amazing dude who's like like older than me and, and probably. Just you should look him up, uh, Richard Bartle. Uh, he came up with the, the four gamer archetypes, and it was basically as a gamer, each one of us is uh, uh, explorer, uh, achiever, killer, and um, uh, socializer, right? To different to different degrees, and you can look at different gameplays. Exploration that's obvious, right? Uh, achiever, I want to get all the badges, I want to solve all the things, I got to do all the quests. Um, you know, killer. I just want to hunt things. PVP is my thing. You know, I want to murder people and kill the big war. <laughs> uh, you know, this is it's just the same basic four stuff, right? Um, but again, most most VR right now is still centered on the social and the the exploration sort of aspect, um, which, which is fine. But then when you when you pull out a lot of the gamer pieces, you know, what you're left with is still user to user shared 3D spaces and maybe some collaboration. And when you look at the rest of the industry, the non-gaming industry, where are we at, right? We've got things like Altspace VR, we've got uh, Meta's Horizon, you know, very social, very maybe collaborative, but not quite having a lot of the other 
creation sort of stuff. Certainly not a whole lot of like actual exploration, right? It's just very small, small environments. So a lot of the innovation that's happening is either on the 3D rendering side, the technology side, or it's in the hardware side, you know, better head-mounted displays, better monitors, better hand tracking, even better mm -hmm. computer vision and all that. Um, and then the industry just kind of stops there. there there's there's not a whole lot of other innovation going on. It's a lot of it is rehashing of stuff that's been around for a while, or maybe some, you know, outlier use cases, right? Um, oh, we're using augmented reality to help with spine surgery. Hey, that's super innovative and super awesome uh, for that particular use case. That's not really going to affect regular guys like us, right? Because it's just yeah. such a very specific thing. Or there's uh, there's some amazing stuff that's been uh, going on for um, for firefighters, Right, you're in an environment where you can't see anything because it's just so dense and so so much smoke. But if you've got a right sensor package on you and you've got a cool heads-up display, there are other ways that you can use to determine. You know, hey, I'm in a hallway. There's a you know hole in the floor in front of me or whatever. I may not be able to see it through the smoke and the the traditional visible spectrum. But hey, let's throw in some some IR and some UV and some other you know I don't know echo cardio whatever. There's other ways to kind of get data and then build a spatial visualization to help me do whatever. And then if I have access to the the the, uh, the floor plan of a building, now I know exactly where I'm at, right? This helps yeah. me put out fires faster, be safer, rescue lives, whatever, right? So these are these are important things. Sure. But then outside of that, you know, AR and VR and all the other sort of technologies, which I try to collectively bundled together as xr right that's kind of my thing is like look these are all connected okay. let's call them xr because i got tired of telling people hey i'm doing an ar company and a vr company and we also do mr in the middle and you know iot plus some ai and the issue of blah 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 and they're like all, you the, see all, the, all the buzzwords yeah it's like the, the cool thing about the metaverse is we actually have all the buzzwords and it yeah. all kind of makes sense but it's super overwhelming for people that don't get it so it's like hey man yeah we're just doing xr and people are like well what the hell is xr like well okay you know <laughs> Uh, let's talk about that. And, you know, when I was trying to, and this, this was all because I got tired of typing all this up in an email. And I was like, okay, cool. So I got to come up with something new. And I liked X because, you know, if you're a math geek, hey, X, right? It's the, the it's a variable. It could be, you know, it's, it's X, all for X. Um, but it's also, you know, great for X marks the spot. X is like a, you know, uh, uh, you know, railroad crossing, you know, right? It's also... Uh, for 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 trans you know transcontinental trans you know dimensional you know trans whatever um and and also x marks the spot it's where you find the treasure i thought okay wow this is this is kind of cool i can i can really play with the whole x thing and it's also the x on a map this is where i am here x right um so i thought okay this is it this is like the the thing the x let's go with xr and yeah i put it in my little uh you know it's my skype tag and my emails and stuff and uh, you know, after, you know, several months or a year, I started seeing other people were using it all over the place. I'm like, Hey guys, I had like a little bit of credit here. You know, I emailed you this a year ago. Um, so whatever it's, 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 in the, it's in the mainstream now. Apple stole it as well for a product, right? As well, where they called it the iPhones XR. So that probably doesn't help now. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they, they know where to find me. I can send me a royalty check, but yeah, it's a, uh, no, it's all good. I actually, I'm probably still in trouble with Apple. There were years ago, I wrote a, real, a scathing blog post about uh, what was it? There was like a worm in the apple or something. Cause I was uh, <laughs> at, at the time, Steve jobs was not allowing uh, developers to access the camera uh, and the iPhone mm -hmm. SDK. Uh, and, you know, if you're trying to do augmented reality, that's an important thing to be able to do is I need access to the camera so I can do my computer vision. Um, we, we ultimately, we, we ended up cheating by just taking as many screenshots to the screen as we could and then using that to kind just of merging them together. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if I can't have the direct video, I'm just going to screen capture over and over and over and over and over. So, you know, we got three, four frames per second, but um, yeah, so. So, Robert, I was actually going to ask you then, I mean, how you define metaverse. And it seems now that you're going to define metaverse as this XR that incorporates everything. Is that the out? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, Neil Stevens is probably not going to be too happy with it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's like, OK, you know, for me, when, when you sit and ask people, you know, what they think the metaverse is or even when you talk to industry insiders and say, hey, man, you know, what the hell are we building? Where's this all going? Or you say, hey, you know, what, what's your vision for the future? 
you know, a lot of times it re- really boils down to this thing that's bigger than just a 3D world somewhere or bigger than interconnected 3D worlds. And even the word itself, it's a metaverse, right? Or meta universe, right? It's above and beyond, you know, meta. So I thought, okay, you know, we, we could certainly go the whole normal 3D virtual world or connected virtual worlds like, uh, you know, Ready Player One's Oasis or something. Um, and those are all cool and they can be very useful and everything else. But I thought there's a bigger opportunity here when you think about everything else. So if you say, okay, look, everything boils down to location, right? Who you are, where you are, what you're doing and what's around you. If you know those things, you can create some amazing uh, visualizations or experiences with AR, right? Here I am, I'm doing this thing, so show me what I need to see. Um, which is great for people that are at a location. But at the same time, you have this other side of the tech where I've got you know a 3D, you know, fully immersive environment for where I'm at in the real world, right? I'm at a stadium, I'm at college, I'm in my dorm room, you know, or something along those lines. So if you've got all of those together, you know, why not connect them? They're all using the same data sets. Um, yeah, you know, so it's like, okay, cool. So if I can blend all these together, now I've got a thing where, you know, the system or the metaverse, whatever, it knows who I am and it knows where I am. So, you know, give me all this, you know, really cool and useful, you know, data and information at the same time for somebody that's remote in another location, let them have access to the same thing, but through the 3D digital twin. And this is kind of, you know, tech that we've specifically been building out. So I may be here, you know, in my office doing whatever. I got my cool AR, you know, going on. Uh, You should be able to, you know, go into a 3D metaverse client, right? Log in, make your avatar, do whatever. And then come visit me at my house and walk around my house in full 3D. But things start getting really kinky when if if I know where you are within that 3D digital twin model, right? You're in my, my office, you're over to my left, you're looking at my bookshelves or whatever. Um, if I know exactly where you are, I know where I am because I'm sitting here and I got my little GPS and my AR on. There's no reason why I can't have your avatar right here as a hologram for me to see. And then also yeah. vice versa. You should see my my avatar up in my, my own 3D digital twin space. So you talk to my avatar in VR and I'm talking to your avatar in AR. You know, you open up a, a voice connection or whatever. And now it's like, okay, well, whoa, whoa, what, what just happened here? This is a whole new way to think about you know, the metaverse, I'm taking all this data that's out there, all this information, and I'm bringing it together in one kind of consistent, you know, framework or architecture that now, yeah. you know, basically eliminates things like borders and distance. So, wow, it's very exciting. I mean, that picture you're painting is extremely exciting. And I think you kind of touched on already some of the challenges around, you know, vision in the space, the focus on hardware. And then you also talked about, you know, Apple, the camera not being able to, to get into and actually use the, the recording saying for that. Like w- one of the things around the metaverse is it kind of implies singular. You mentioned this vision of like it's above everything else. And one of the challenges that's kind of been put out there is around interoperability. You're talking about all these devices working together. And um, what do you think about the, the challenge of interoperability in this space? Uh, that, that, that's a that's a complicated question with a complicated answer. Uh, and I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to hold two different opposing views to kind of give you a, a good consistent view. So, so on one hand, um, well, let me step back a bit. So let's use metaverse with a capital M and metaverse with a lowercase m. Okay. So metaverse with a lowercase m is is pretty much uh, any metaverse, right? Which most people would define as interconnected worlds. And which people in the industry are basically saying, hey, I built a virtual world and I'm going to call it a metaverse. Mm-hmm. So that, that is like they don't know how to spell properly. Right. So they don't even get the capital, capital letters. You can't have a metaverse by that definition unless you have multiple connected worlds. So I'm sorry to Central Land or Second Life or whatever you guys aren't metaverses in that respect. But let's set that aside because Robert's picky. Okay. Um, so metaverse is anybody basically with the 3D world at this point or, you know, AR or whatever. Um, so then we've got metaverse with a capital M and I think that is what I'm talking about. And that's pretty much the entire industry altogether. So even if you have a whole lot of very siloed metaverses, lowercase M collectively speaking, they're all the metaverse. Mm. Does that make sense? The metaverse, you know, all capitals doesn't have to be one single architecture, one single company, one single, whatever. 
Um, but I think it's also, we're never going to get to a point where you have this magical, completely decentralized, completely distributed sort of whatever. Even with like the regular internet, you still have to have some, some centralization. This is why we have ICANN, right? You have to have the authority. Yeah. Or even in payment processing, I can't just start my own payment processing company and you know like like own everything. But also, you don't have only PayPal or only Visa, right? I mean, there's there's a banking system, this whole industry built around payments and stuff, and you can't just enter it in on a whim. There's you know those things and rules you have to follow, and standards you have to adhere to. So I think at the end of the day, the metaverse is going to be all these things together. Um, and the, the subset of that, there's going to be a lot of cool metaverses with um that will be somehow connected to the bigger piece but only because of some types of interoperability right yeah. uh, even like today uh all three of us can start up websites we can use different technologies i'll use you know wordpress and maybe you'll use you know, joomla or something or or maybe you'll code it by hand or whatever we use different um uh, hosts, maybe I'll host it at my own computer in my basement. Maybe you want to use, you know, Bluehost or yeah. SiteGrounds or GoDaddy. I mean, there's there's ways, but a, a, an end user can go to each one of our websites and and have a perfectly good uh, experience because they're using, you know, their favorite browser which adheres to some standards, right? Yeah, that um, makes sense. So I, you kind of almost think, have to think. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I think one of the things that I saw that you, you posted about was that most people, when they think metaverse, they think Ready Player One and the Oasis. You've mentioned it already, and I think you know the, the ports moving between worlds. How do we get this portability between different worlds? And is that this is the Oasis actually just this standard protocol that operates beneath that allows people to be interoperable between, between these different worlds? And right now, we're kind of seeing maybe the closing off and the walled gardens from the Web two that people tend to speak about reemerging in in the metaverse is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I think it's still a little complicated. Uh, most of the people that that I've talked to in the industry over the last couple of years, and, and there's there's a lot, especially like from the crypto side. You talk to any any crypto bro out there, he's going to be like, "Oh, decentralized everything." It's like, okay, yeah, that that sounds cool, but you know, it doesn't actually work that way, right? Uh, so when you talk to guys about interoperability, they almost always come back down to the whole, "Hey, you know, we're all trying to work on a 3D standard." You know, GLTF, OBJ, FBX, yeah. you know, whatever, 3D standard for file format. And even guys like, uh, you know, like NVIDIA or, or Autodesk, I mean, they're, they're pushing really hard with some amazing technologies. Like, like what's the whole, the standard scene descriptor, you know, all that, or, yeah. all that sort of fun stuff. Um, and that's great, provided that everybody's using the same 3D technology. Okay, well, you know, maybe I don't want to have, you know, full-on Unreal, you know, epic 3D. Maybe I just want to have simple Minecraft. Or maybe I want to go, you know, very simple web-based, something like, a, uh, you know, most of the, the quote, metaverses out there, like Decentraland or whatever, CryptoVoxel, mm-hmm. Sonium Space. This one's right in the browser. And as a result, you get super low-fidelity, low-quality graphics, but there's still technically a metaverse, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. Well, well how do you okay. think about that? And even if you did have something where you had a an agnostic client, that might be a browser or might be a desktop application or something, um, you still have this, uh, maybe I got my 3D graphics good to go. But what if we're talking about migrating from, say, Second Life over to World of Warcraft and then on to Call of Duty? Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, yeah, good luck with yeah. that, buddy, right? It's like, okay, so my, my cool rabbit-eared, you know, the French-made outfit-wearing, you know, avatar chick in Second Life, it's not going to suddenly show up in World of Warcraft and not immediately get kicked out by all the role players, right? So what are we going to go to Call of Duty and run around my little magical, you know, heart wand, right? That's not going to fly either. Somebody's going to take some pie shots at me and I'm not going to be happy because I'm just here spreading the love. And why are you shooting at me, right? So so interoperability in that sense is just not going to work. You have to think of yeah. it. Even if it did, let's just say you could, right? So I'm going to take my, I don't know, my level 90 necromancer out of World of Warcraft, <laughs> And I'm going to go over to Diablo 4 or 5 or 6 or Diablo VR, right? And people are like, okay, cool. That's cool. You got your necro over here, guy. But, you know, your skills are all wrong. And what's up with your stats and your power level is, like, ridiculous. Like, this is like, whoa, dude, you just, like, one-shotted that other guy. Like, he's been here for four years working his character, right? So interoperability is like, you guys, it's not yeah. just about the tech. It's about the content. So it's like a, a Mario Kart, you know, look, 
Can you imagine a little Luigi guy rolling around in Diablo right now? I mean, <laughs> so so if you're a gamer and a game designer, or, or particularly in a role-playing side of the fence, if you've been around for a while and think about some of the older systems like uh, like GURPS or, or Champions, where you didn't just you know grab some dice and roll out your D&D character, you had a point-based system. And like Champions, for example, you know, I can throw a firebolt at you or I can throw a a lightning bolt at you or I can throw a water blast, right? Those are different elemental effects. I'm still going to do, you know, 1d4 of damage. So, it's okay, okay, cool. So, let's separate out the effect versus the uh, the attack, the attack type. It's a range attack. It's whatever. So, when you do things like this, now you've got things where you can kind of do this conversion. And, you know, some people that are like super geeks are like, okay, cool. How do I do Iron Man in D&D? I got to sit down and figure out some kind of conversion sort of level. And I think that, you know, for metaverse interoperability, you kind of have to do the same thing on the content side. You know, if, uh, if it's super easy to earn experience in game A, there has to be some kind of conversion to map that character over to game B. So in the whole, you know, Ready Player One Oasis sort of metaverse style, when I want to go from one world to another, I have to, you know, do some conversion of my items, my character, whatever. So maybe some things I can't take with me or they have to go on hold or um, the power structure gets converted. So so what, what, what does that mean? That means that the things that can go across everywhere should be basic like my identity. Right. Or some other sort of mm-hmm. basic things. And then my objects, my content, my whatever, the, the other things have to be kind of, you know, thought through and kind of considered there. And I think I think we'll ultimately get there. Um, but at least for now, you know, again, everybody's so worried about, you know, Pokemon Go or or when the next, uh, you know, uh, wearables are coming out. There's not a whole lot of people that are really trying to think about. What does it actually mean to be interoperable, or what yeah. does the metaverse in the next you know two, three, five, or ten years, you know, actually look like? And unfortunately, you know, so many people that you know raised money or, or did you know whatever in the last two or three years, especially during COVID, um, you know, it went heavily towards the crypto side, heavily you know NFTs, decentraland, buy my token, buy my token, you know, whatever. Um, that uh, it kind of overtook a lot of the metaverse conversation. Right now, if I go out and tell somebody a metaverse, the first question they ask me is, you know, which chain are you using? And can I bring in my NFTs? And I'm like, okay, wow, dude, you, this is the wrong conversation. Those are subsets, right? You know, if, if the first, if you talk to a metaverse company and the first thing out of their mouth is buy their token, they're not a metaverse company. They're they're a token company wrapped in a metaverse for, for marketing purposes, right? Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, you've got all these, you know, get rich quick guys. I got a fresh marketing degree. I'm a business guy. I've got some money, you know, whatever. I want to get into the metaverse and throw some money at it. That's cool, but they have no concept what they're they're getting into. You have to bring pretty much every discipline you can think of into a true metaverse company, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's about it's about location, it's about social, it's about collaborations, computer vision, you know, all this stuff. Then you got all the IoT and blockchain, and then you know, we're even started talking about AI yet, where that comes into play. So oh, yeah. You have to have a much deeper, bigger picture, and you need to understand things like like the game industry. You have to understand MMOs. That's the closest thing to the metaverse is, is these you know thousands and thousands of people in shared 3D spaces. And then you also have to back out and look at like spatial computing and understanding the world that's around us. You know, all these yeah. cool self-driving cars and drones and all that stuff. That's all using augmented reality computer vision technology. I mean, that's 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 important stuff that's in our daily lives already that most people really aren't even you know kind of aware of so yeah so robert i'm, I'm really curious then where does where does your company transmira and your omniscape platform sit in all this because i i'm conscious that we we really uh, saw kind of the, the background and why you got into ar and metaverse in the beginning but you know you, you founded uh transmira what coming up to 10 years ago now i believe so yeah i was hoping you, know, you were going to <laughs> sorry yeah um, uh, no, it's okay. So you know, I incorporated in uh, in 2014, right around the time uh, that I was thinking about XR, because I thought, hey, this is this is where the industry is going to go, and uh, nobody else is thinking about it yet. Um, so yeah, I spent a few years in my basement, you know, rereading all the books, rewatching all the movies, uh, and spending a lot of time really trying to just just think about it, right? You know, what are all the cool use cases? What should things look like in 10 or 15 years? And then when I had that kind of in my head, then the next question was, okay, well, how do you build that? 
And I tried deconstructing the, this grand vision of all, you know, everything, everywhere, all connected and, you know, augmented virtual and then work backwards. And that kind of gave me a really nice technical roadmap, I guess. But it also helped me identify areas that uh, haven't been done yet, which is a great way to start, you know, developing IP, but also trying to not only figure out how to do things, but also how to solve some problems. So I feel like, you know, the first couple of years that I was at this, I went through those mental exercises. And I think that we've come up with some really cool solutions to problems that people haven't even, you know, contemplated yet, which is cool for me, but also not so cool because I have to explain things to everybody to kind of get them to where, you know, where, where I've been. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's around 2017, 2018, you know, started raising a little bit of money, building a little bit of a team and kind of really working on just some basic stuff. And we really didn't hit our stride until maybe, uh, you know, after COVID started, maybe 2020. Right. And even then we had COVID. So that just slowed everything else down. So I'm trying to crawl and go, go faster, but it was really hard trying to raise funds, really hard trying to find the right people with the right mindset and the right talent. And it's like, I can't just hire a guy off the street. You really have to sit down, spend a few hours with me, understand what we're doing, but also why we're doing it. And then when you kind of get all that, it's like, okay, wow, now I understand it. You know, now let's go for it. So in trying to think about that, you know, you also have to, you have to make money and you have to convince investors that, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to do something interesting here. So I can't just go out and say, Hey, I need a hundred million dollars and I can change the face of, you know, humanity and history and all these other sort of things. It's like, Oh no, I need like 50 K or I need, you know, a million dollars so I can build out in a, an augmented reality application for brands. Cause that's step one. Right. Um, so, so on one hand, we've been kind of doing it really slow, doing these little things. And, you know, we've, we filed a couple of amazing patents and, you know, one of the first things we were doing, uh, just trying to kind of communicate this to people, we just had to boil it down to say, Hey, it's Pokemon go for brands. And that would at least give me a conversation with somebody like, Oh, I understand Pokemon go. My kids play that. That sounds interesting. How does that work? And then, you know, I can lead them into these little baby steps. It's like, okay, it cool. Like Pokemon go is the metaverse equivalent of Uber in like everything else. You know, they say Uber <laughs> for X in metaverse. Yes. It's Pokemon go for X. That, that's that, that's exactly it. And that's honestly the only way to really communicate with probably 95% of the people on the planet, right? Um, and, you know, for us, it was like, okay, well, I've got to do all these things. I've got to come up with some value proposition, something that's easy and quick now. Um, but also, you know, I don't want to give up on the bigger picture because I think this is important stuff. Um, so we focused on, on monetization. You know, uh, good luck finding people out there that their business is, how do you monetize the metaverse? there's there's not a lot of them right and and for me i thought okay well you know to monetize something you basically it boils down to transference of value right? commerce to some degree and commerce doesn't always mean i'm spending money at the store commerce means you know i'm commercing i, I don't know i lost where i was going with that but you know it, it's an exchange of something um so you know we we developed some ip that basically you know we can link uh, a 3D object in, you know, AR, VR, you know, whatever, to something in the real world, right? It's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, product, asset, merchandise, credit, voucher, special offer, coupon. I mean, you, you know, whatever. Um, and it's, it's ba basically, you know, think about an NFT, uh, but better. And we came up with this years ago and filed the patent for it in 2018. So um, uh, and we won the patent, by the way, just FYI for all your listeners. Um, <laughs> but... Right. So th thanks. They just so many people owe me money, but I was like, I, how do I go after these guys, right? Um, so, so the idea though there is that you know if I'm in the metaverse again, AR, VR, and I have some 3D object that that's cool. It's cool if it's tokenized and unique and all that. That's fun, but if it's actually representative of something in the real world, so I get Pokemon Go for brands. Uh, my favorite example is like let's say Starbucks. I should be able to go outside hunting around and hey look there's a 3d starbucks coffee cup rotating in the air and in, in augmented reality i should be able to pick it up hey oh my gosh but then i should be able to go to starbucks and then go up to the counter and then exchange that for an actual cup of coffee right 3d yeah, yeah. object equals a free coffee something physical tangible in the real world or maybe it's a discount or it's buy one coffee get one coffee free or whatever so 
Uh, that's number one. And that, that's that's important. And that could just as easily be the title to a house, right? Or 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 access to something. It's whatever. It's something physical in the real world that has a 3D, you know, component and the metaverse that it's equal to. And that suddenly opens up a lot of interesting things, even for, you know, like supply chain or data viz or, you know, whatever. Um, but from a brand's perspective, you know, being able to geolocate content anywhere in the world and kind of target their ideal customer, that's that's huge. So now maybe Starbucks wants to go after all those McDonald's, you know, Dunkin' Donuts coffee lovers. So I'm going to put 3D <laughs> Starbucks coffee cups in the parking lot of every, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's Mac Cafe that's out there, right? That's nice. That's like dirty pool, right? But hey, you know, whatever, it works. So so, so now people are finding that content and picking it up and they're going, oh my gosh, I got a free coffee. But then it's like, okay, cool. We're dealing with 3D objects now. This isn't like, you know, Groupon where I'm going to spam you with an email that says, hey, this email is worth, you know, a discount, you know, or you got, here's a coupon. By by linking that that three D object to something in the real world, people psychologically deal with this differently. It's like, well, this is a three D thing. I can interact with it. I can spin it around. So in their brain, they start attaching real value to the three mm-hmm. D thing. It's like, okay, wow, this is this is equal to something else. This has real value. So now you're you're in a in a place where you can really start pushing brand awareness, brand prestige. Hey guys, I got one of the only you know nike 3d drops or you know whatever and you got a crappy adidas one i mean you, you know whatever right so now if i if i were to send you a groupon coupon i got in the mail you're like hey instant spam i'm not even gonna read it but if i sent you a 3d object that was worth a free coffee or a free domino's pizza who doesn't want you know 3d domino's pizza <laughs> right um you're you're gonna be way more thankful and and like there, there's some value there but then if we start tracking everything like on blockchain from the very first impression, I found it, I picked it up, I transferred it to Jack. Jack didn't like it. He sent it to Alec. Alec goes to yeah. you know, Starbucks and redeems it. And by tracking all that, I get this crazy amount of amazing you know, consumer behavior data, right? Beyond what even Nielsen can, can even, even get. Um, but because we're tracking it and it's on blockchain for, you know, can, we can verify it. We're like the only company in the world that can prove and validate the, the ROI on somebody's ad spend. You know, you can spend a million, think about that, right? Very exciting, right? Yeah. You can spend a million dollars on a commercial on TV or the internet or whatever and get likes or, you know, whatever. Uh, and maybe your sales go up by 1%, but you can't directly link or correlate that advertising to that increase in sales it, it could be for any other reason but in our particular case you spend a million here you make 1.2 million over there and you can link it back so now you've got you know cmos going to their ceo and say hey i just i made you this much money i need a bigger marketing budget now it's like well, okay well how do you you can't argue data That's right? perfect perfect problem right and I'm, I'm glad you've touched on a lot of these concepts you've touched on blockchain tokens verifiability auditability all these things and this is going to be one of my next questions is the metaverse is hard to define web3 is hard to define how do you see the metaverse interacting with web3 what's the relationship there in your mind uh a lot and nothing at the same time uh you know web3 is still uh depending on who you talk to uh it's still a little bit of an ideology as opposed to something that that's a little tangible right you can get just like with the metaverse you can get five different definitions from five different people but if you, I guess, go with one of the more generalized versions of, you know, for Web 2, you're the product, right? And for Web 3, I don't want to be the product anymore. So it's a more about privacy and, like, uh, consumer control, right? Um, I think that's where you really start seeing the, the, the lines get blurred or, or, or kind of where people are going. So I think for the metaverse, it's like it's six in one and half dozen the other, right? So it's some, in some senses... Um, you have to give up your privacy because the system or the platform or the game or whatever, it needs to know who you are. It needs to know where you are and what you're doing, right? That's just, just critical. Same thing for commerce and everything else. There has to be something there. But on the flip side of the coin, um, you know, these are also opportunities where I should be able to go from location to location or system to system or world to world or experience to experience and be able to maintain anonymity and have control and be a content creator. I should be able to create an amazing experience, you know, in AR, VR, whatever, but I should also be able to turn around and monetize that and build something, right? So the metaverse and Web3 should be very, 
very positive and beneficial towards towards independents and also creators. And we're seeing some of that, you know, with, with the migration from Web 2 to Web 3, for sure. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of conversation around, you know, smart contracts and, you know, extended royalty payments and, you know, creator rights, whether you're a musician or an artist or whatever. Um, but just also an equal amount of trampling on those rights, because this is still such a, a wild west and there really is no defined uh, standard for everything just yet. And then now we're also at the risk of the regulators and the politicians getting involved, which is not a good thing um, because they tend to not know what the hell they're talking about or they have special interests whispering in their ear and they make what sounds good to them. And they're you know, honestly trying to to do good. They end up, you know, quashing things. I mean, look at like, um, you know, blockchain and crypto right now with uh, with the SEC and, you know, all the other sort of things going on. Right. There's even in the last what year it hasn't been a, a crypto winter it's been a crypto apocalypse and you know I, I still occasionally see guys on twitter that are like oh yeah btc to a hundred thousand dollars in six months i'm like yeah buddy okay so you over invested and you're waiting for some other sucker to come in and raise the price so you can sell out right yeah so try again later um but but th- but this is where it's like it's important for the community as a whole and not it's not so much about setting standards per se it's a it's about building stuff getting out in the market and getting adoption because if you can get that far that that's what's going to be the standard it's not going to be a couple of academic guys in a room or a couple of big companies you know like microsoft and google or whatever and apple kind of all huddling up and say hey here's the standard for the internet yeah thank you that just is good for your interest right um but, but you also can't rely on the regulators so we need to 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 spur and incentivize innovation as much as possible, build things, you know, when lose or fail, just get it out there and then let the market determine what works, what doesn't work. And mm. let's let those be those standards. But even then those builders, those developers and those designers and startup founders and all that, you have a responsibility to be thinking about the implications of what you're building and how you're building it, and how it's going to work. Because at the end of the day, I think those standards are going to come from whatever, you know, wins the, the adoption race. Um, and it's either going to be a dystopian nightmare because somebody got greedy and they're just throwing crap at the wall and it just happened like TikTok, for example, right? TikTok is amazing and useful and super fun and happy and exciting, but it's also a very, very, very dark side to TikTok, right? For all the, yeah. you know, political and whatever sort of reasons. But that's a case where, you know, user adoption is setting the market tone, um, but it wasn't necessarily designed or developed with everybody's best interest at heart. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up adoption, actually, because uh, and and because when we're talking about the relationship between Web three and, and Metaverse, I think you know I like I like the idea of it's everything and nothing, but at the same time, you know, you saying that Transmira is kind of the only company in the world that can do what you're doing, and it seems to me like web technologies in Web three, like the the blockchain, the NFT side, the digital twins, these are all things from Web the Web three world that are allowing you to have this kind of unique value proposition then it's the question that you know how do you how do you ensure that this value proposition becomes more valuable by by growing and it's kind of using the network effects and, and this adoption challenge is going to affect you as much as anyone else i presume right yeah for sure and, and it's like you know for me you know i've got a i've got a small team you know which, which is it's, it's fine um but it's like I can only go so fast and with what we're, we're trying to build, it's, it's, it's pretty big and it's pretty significant and you can't build it all at once because then it gets super complicated. And, and as an example, uh, you know, I think meta tried to build it all at once and we all saw how that turned out in like less than 12 months. Right. That was, I mean, there, there's other reasons there for that, but um, you, you just, you just have to keep, you know, just, just, just do stuff and, you know, keep adding it to it. So, so we've got, you know, our own little roadmap and we're going to be, you know, we're kicking out a few other things over the summer and it's not going to be like, oh my God, you know, completely groundbreaking. You know, for example, we're, we're launching metaverse apartments here, uh, you know, probably by the end of the summer. So free metaverse apartment for everybody. It's you, it's yours. You can decorate it however you want. Go to our marketplace, buy some stuff from there. Yay for us, you know, empower to the creators. You make your 3D furniture, put it in the marketplace. Some other guy's going to buy it for his little apartment. It's going to be fun and cool. Um, and you know, it'll probably be really awesome for the first week and people are going to get like, well, this is boring as hell. And, you know, I want more content or I want to do more things and Hey, it's coming. Right. But we're a small company, but you know, just start with this, hang with us and 
you know, the more users I get, the more, you know, revenue we get, the more investment money we get, the bigger the team gets, the faster we work, right? So just make sure you just make sure you launch those in the UK because that's the only place anyone can afford a, a mortgage right now is in, in the metaverse, I think. So we, we desperately need that at the minute. Yeah, well, well yeah, for, for sure. Well, we're, we're very, we're very global, global minded to start with. So uh, yeah, 100%. Um, so, so Robert, you've talked like about, you know, you have a, a kind of a vision of what the future look like, looks like, but you need to deliver these small incremental steps, you know, to be realistic and business minding, commercial, all these things. I'd love to understand what you think the future does look like. What are the opportunities you see? What's the future of the metaverse that you envision? Uh, well, the future metaverse is me selling out for like $100 billion and buying an <laughs> island. Right? So whatever it takes to get there, sign me up. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, I think it's kind of what I was saying before, you, you know, for, for, for me, it's, um, it, it's, it's everything together. I, I would like some kind of consistent where, um, you know, I've got augmented reality around me in my daily life to help me do things and, you know, learn about my environment or, you know, accomplish my tasks or goals. But at the same time, you know, you, you leverage in the, uh, the 3d or the VR stuff. Right. So, so for example, that's a good example. So let's say, uh, okay, so I used to live in Kentucky in Louisville. And uh, for, for a brief stint, I was a security guard at the, the Mall of St. Matthews on, on Hurstburn Lane, right? Uh, super, super nice small, but it was a long time ago. Um, and, you know, the mall has mall hours. It opens in the morning and closes in the evening, and that that's it. But with, uh, with the metaverse, you think about, cool, well, if you have a digital twin of that mall, right? So I got a 3D copy of the mall and let, let's fully enable it with commerce and let's link each one of those stores back to their own websites or let's do 3D stores for each one of the stores within the, the mall or whatever. That's all super cool and awesome. But now if you think about <clears throat> kind of this whole idea of a holistic metaverse where we're blending AR and VR together, um, that means that, you know, during the day I'm walking around the mall and there's hol other holograms running around that represent other people in other countries or whatever, checking out the mall and buying stuff, which is, which is pretty cool. And then you take that a step further and think about, you know, how, how does, how does the metaverse become better for the world and more than just these cool experiences? How do you, how do you, how does the metaverse deliver the promise that the internet was supposed to have, right? The internet was supposed to be the, the great equalizer and the web was supposed to be, you know, easy access to everybody. And of course, you know, uh, they were taken over by porn and social media. Like, yay. So <laughs> I, I have the entirety of mankind's knowledge at my fingertips in seconds on an, on, a, on my phone. And I'm going to be spending all my time looking at porn on TikTok, <laughs> right? So it's like, like, whoops, so we, we missed the boat there. Uh, but but can the metaverse change that? And I, I think it can. So, you know, if you imagine a, uh, a single mom in the Philippines, you know, what, what, what's her what's her economic future look like? Right. It's 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 pretty dim. Um, but what if, you know, she can get online, you know, have an avatar or whatever um, and then get a job working at the 3D digital twin of the Mall of St. Matthews. So, you know, lunchtime for her in, in Manila is basically middle of the night for 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 kentucky but you can keep that mall open so she can basically be that ar or i'm sorry that vr you know customer service sales avatar walking around whatever store selling you know 3d nike virtual goods to some guy in russia that wants to go and you know convert that over to an actual real pair of shoes later on somewhere else so you know this idea of metaverse when you combine ar and vr and digital twins and iot and all these other sort of things together you end up creating incredible um, you know, opportunities and experiences for, for tourism or hospitality or retail or sports or education or you know, office collaborations. Like all the, all the things that we, we talk about and dream about suddenly become possible when you build things in this particular you know, sort of fashion. Um, so you see and, it as kind of an, ec an economic tool for, for you know, things like employment and, and growth for economies. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like in the last six months, I've talked to several, you know, larger companies. They're like, hey, you know, uh, we expect another pandemic. It's going to happen two years, five years, 20 years. There's no one's coming. And, you know, lessons learned from this first one. Uh, people are going to be stuck at home and we need them to work. And remote work is cool, but it's not necessarily the greatest. So what are some problems there? Well, you know, employee training and onboarding and, you know, all that sort of stuff is tough. Same thing for collaboration. How many people here love spending several hours a day in Zoom? 
like like zero zoom sucks right you know just pure video it just really sucks but you know you you pull that that same number of people and i guarantee you uh if you're a gamer you've probably spent a stint of say six to 18 hours straight uh in some 3d mmo somewhere and you didn't want to get out you were like no no i don't need to leave the chair give me a give me a bottle and you know i can i'll take care of business here i I gotta i gotta wait for this thing to drop right when when were you like that last about work (laughs) i can't ever think of a time um so uh when you think about the metaverse as more than just social and you think about you know how can it replace or enhance or or augment to whatever uh, my life and, and make it make it a better sort of way. Then it's like, okay, cool. How do I make money on the on the metaverse? How do I I reach other people? How do I learn more? How do I have experiences that I can't have any other way? You know, it's it's cool that I can go to Second Life or Decentraland. That's fun. But what if I can go to Berlin, a 3D version of Berlin, and walk around and feel like I'm actually there? Right. Well, when you start throwing, you know, Unreal Five and um, you know, satellite data and, you know, all these other sort of, uh, sort of technologies in that's absolutely possible. I can give you a near photorealistic experience of exploring Berlin. Like I was actually there. And then when you start layering that in with other people that actually live in Berlin now, like I'm I'm making friends in Berlin and I'm learning German, I, I can't move there. Right. But now I can have the experience of almost being there, which means it's going to be easier to learn about the culture or learn a language or, or find somebody, make friends, you know, get married or, or get a job offer. The, the metaverse can, can, can be that, that equalizing tool that suddenly, like I said, it gets rid of borders and boundaries and opens up the whole world to you. Again, if it's more than just me running around a second life or Decentraland, Th- those things are still important. I still want to have, you know, my own 3d flying castle, you know, with uh, laser sharks for my, my friends to kind of, you know, come hang out at. But that's that's cooler if I can link it back to my real house, right, or my real location. So, mm-hmm. again, there's that there's that vertical stack. But in terms of the power of the metaverse, I think it's this combination of the real world and AR and these digital twins kind of all working together, and then everything else, you know, kind of built around that. Well, that is, I think that's like a really uh, a powerful kind of message to end on. I think because I'm conscious of uh, of your time, Robert. You've got. 16 hours to spend in uh, in doom by the sounds of it but um yeah it's been, it's been a really interesting conversation i think we could carry on for you know maybe another 16 hours um but before before we let you go we, we always ask our guests two questions right at the end now the first of these i think you've you've already kind of done a good job of but i think um well you know we'll let you have another stab in case there's anything you wanted to do but first question would be you know in exa- in just one sentence what does web3 actually mean to you Oh, <laughs> one sentence. Um, uh, you know, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier. Um, I think, you know, Web 2, you are the product, and Web 3, it's the other way around. I think Web 3 is going to empower the user uh, and kind of bring back uh, the potential of the Internet uh, as a whole with, with yeah. disclaimers. <laughs> yeah I, li- I like that i think that's something we we also kind of subscribe to ourselves in the podcast and we we like to ask everyone that question because we want to see over time you know how, how these answers change as well um so yeah it, it's good to see we, we we're all aligned on, on this one today um and then the kind of second question just to close everything off today then so if you could pick one person anybody in the world any time in history to sit down and discuss web3 and metaverse with who would be your choice? Uh, you're giving me all the all of history, though, which means I'd have to explain uh, Web three, <laughs> the metaverse, whoever it was that was talking to. Um, oh man, that's a tough. That's a tough one. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go a little different here. I, I would. Uh, I'd have to flip a coin and choose between Nikola Tesla and Einstein. Uh, Nikola Tesla, uh, because dude was like, like brilliant. Right. And I would blow his mind and he'd be like, wait, what? Um, cause that would just be a fun conversation. Right. Uh, that guy was crazy, but, but I probably, you know what? I think I would go with Einstein. Um, because when you think about, you know, Einstein of physics and E equals MC squared, whatever the guy understood mm. dimension and space and time and, and all that. 
And I think having the conversation with him was like, hey, let me tell you about this metaverse thing. I think his <laughs> mind would just like just pop and go, wow. Okay, that's like, you know, now, now we can f- figure out what the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth dimensions are. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> Do you think oh, he'd well. just get it instantly? He'd just be there. He'd be like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen naturally. Uh, uh yes and no uh i i think uh it would take me about an hour kind of walking through pcs and you know other sort of things but you know the idea of the metaverse you you look you you can boil it down to um uh you know media like tv right or 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 moving pictures as they say it's not it's not a far cry to to walk somebody through it's like hey cool this is just you know kind of kind of the uh another type of mass media uh, to kind Mm -hmm. of get there so well, thank you very much, Robert. This has been an incredible episode. Um, we've been talking about the metaverse with Robert Rice. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Untangling Web3, produced by Emma Camilleri. Don't forget to send us your thoughts, questions, and comments on social media. And be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast provider to catch the next episode. See you next time to untangle a little bit more of Web3. The views we express here are our own and do not reflect the views of our employers.